Generation Global is a project founded by an international group of high school students dedicated to capturing diverse perspectives of the adolescent experience in the early 2020s. An era dominated by the polarizing effects of global political tensions, gripping social issues, and scientific innovation all under the context of a global pandemic. Join us every two weeks for an episode of Generation Global. We'll invite you to listen into the factual, reliable information on pressing topics, as well as the sincere observations and reflections of young people all around the world on these topics. Welcome to Generation Global. Generation Global. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Generation Global. Today, join me, Jasmine Dieterker, and our speakers Bronwyn Ewer and Helene Iba to listen in on the impact colonization has had on the two-spirited individuals of today's world. So I guess we can start with an introduction. Bronwyn, do you want to sure. start? Sure. Hi, guys. My name is Bronwyn Ewer, and I am a rising senior from Florida. And I really love drawing and painting and spooky stuff, horror movies, and just pretty much anything haunted and Halloween themed. And I'll throw it back to Jasmine. All right. Hi, everyone. My name's Jasmine Dieterker. I'm a rising senior from Pennsylvania. I love crochet. I picked that up over the pandemic. I love cooking. I cook a lot. But I also really enjoy STEM. And so I've been involved with helping younger students learn programming and science. That kind women of stuff. in STEM. Yeah. <laughs> Love women in STEM. <laughs> and it's so cool. Oh, thank you. I'll pass it over to Helene now. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Helene, and I'm 17 years old and a rising junior. I'm from the Philippines, specifically from the province of Bohol. One fun fact about me is that I love reading books. My favorite genres would have to be fantasy and romance. I am also part of different organizations such as Silong Philippines and Project Smile. You should definitely check us out on all social media platforms. I hope you enjoy and learn a lot from Generation Global Podcast. Now I'm going to pass it to Jasmine. All right, that's so cool. I guess we can start with our topic for today. Did you guys know that non-binary people have existed even before we were all alive? Yeah, that's it's a kind of pretty cool fact that we figured out through some research. What two-spirited means and when and how the term was developed and how it's used in society today by more modern native cultures around the world. So two-spirit people were traditionally male, female, or intersex people of the tribes who combined activities of both men and women with their traits and they had a unique status of being two-spirited within the tribe. So they were honored both ceremonially and religiously. And most tribes considered them to be neither men or nor women, which would kind of in society today be referred to as non-binary. But in a more traditional indigenous culture, it would be referred to as two-spirited. And they are often perceived as a distinct alternative gender status. And according to the investigative conducted by the Them YouTube channel and the IHS webpage, we found out all this cool information. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I personally wasn't aware of that until like we started doing some more research. So I think that's just like really interesting, especially since the term of being two-spirited was made popular in the 1990s. So that was like pretty recent. Yeah, too. definitely. And I think they just started kind of getting their recognition with more civil rights movements, post-colonization, of course, when they started kind of gaining their culture back and most, you know, modern and young indigenous people kind of wanted to refer back to their roots and rejuvenate the culture that was stolen from their ancestors. So I think that's, that's kind of a really beautiful thing. But 
yeah Helene you got you got anything to throw in there yeah like you know being non-binary was like really common in pre-colonial Philippines but it like stopped because we were colonized by the Spanish and I think it's like really cool learning about all these gods who were non-binary I think it's kind of sad that we already lost that culture because of colonialism and I think one person that we should be talking about is Wewa. Wewa was a notable two-spirited individual artist and cultural ambassador of the Zuni Pueblo, an ethnic group indigenous to the Zuni River Valley in New Mexico, USA. Their specific identity was a Lamana, a Zuni term associated with the community members assigned male at birth who adopted social and ceremonial roles that would traditionally be performed by women. Lamana usually, though not exclusively, wore women's clothing and did work associated with women. Do you all have anything else to say? That, yeah, I, that's pretty cool. I actually never heard about any of that specific story. And, you know, the most experience that I've had with two-spirited cultures has come from America. And I think that's, you know, it's sad that that was a little bit close-minded because I do live in the U.S. But, I, I, you know, I'm glad that we kind of figured out, you know, two-spirited individuals and two-spirited, uh, you know, stories in other cultures. Because I, th- I think that's kind of cool. You know, it, it creates a worldly connection, <laughs> a very generation global connection yeah not to get too busy, of course <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but jasmine if you wanted to touch on i saw a little bit of research we did about a certain educator storyteller and activist if you want to kind of go into that <laughs> yeah i thought it was i thought it was really interesting like more of like a modern aspect today of like two-spirited individuals so I wanted to talk about Geo Soctoma Neptune. So they're a basket maker, an educator, a storyteller, an activist, and drag performer. And they are part of the Passamaquoddy tribe. I think they're really interesting. Like I've looked at their Instagram and everything, and all of their videos are really cool. So they specialize in making baskets and they are actually the youngest person in their tribe's recent history to be designated as a master basket maker so i think it's really cool how they're sort of reclaiming their culture and talking more about it today so everyone else can learn some more too yeah that's that's really awesome i also did not know about that story i feel i feel like Mm -hmm. i've you know, betrayed my fellow non-binary people. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm glad I know this information now because these kind of cultures and these kind of people really paved the way for people like me who aren't Indigenous, who, you know, identify as non-binary because we wouldn't have had really access to this, you know, idea of what gender can be without the people who actually came before us in America, before the colonizers. So, you know, I think it's very important to kind of honor, you know, this culture because this is what really the first culture that viewed gender in such a unique way that we didn't really learn about in our history books because we usually learn about you know religious you know crusades and christianity being pushed upon the native population and that kind of caused an erasure of exploration of gender and so i you know i i love that our generations exploring their gender identity more and also looking back to kind of the roots of it and where it came from and kind of giving voice to the people who we should really be listening to about this thing, such as, you know, the activists that you just discussed. But yeah, and so I kind of wanted to segue a little bit into the effects of colonization and kind of talk specifically about how it really impacted Native American populations back then, but also the Native American population today, because it had a really huge, it has a really huge impact on the real huge wave of colonization definitely hit, but you still see the effects today. So the effects of colonialism in Native communities resulted in both marginalization 
conversation on the basis of many people that I've talked to and, you know, modern day, <laughs> and I'm only 17. So obviously I wasn't around when racial and ethnic identity and also of gender and sexuality. Colonialism as practiced by Western culture erased traditional non-binary roles of gender orientation and systems of sexuality. Christian European colonizers specifically condemned same-sex relationships and gender variants as sinful and use these beliefs to further dehumanize indigenous people. These sentiments against indigenous people led to the Indian Removal Act of 1830 and therefore the Trail of Tears or the displacement of 100,000 natives and the deaths of 15,000. And through the use of inherently violent and assimilative measures, these traditions of the two-spirited individuals were lost in many of our communities and were replaced by Western gender binary and the spectrum of sexual orientation. And, you know, this pretty much impacts society in a huge way today as with the, you know, court developments, with the overturning of certain landmark cases by the Supreme Court that affect indigenous children and their removal from their culture, because we're necessarily kind of going back to the traditions that the colonizers practice with ripping these, you know, young indigenous people who are impressionable and away from their culture and kind of assimilating them into a, a Christian community that they didn't choose and that they weren't born into. And, you know, we're res- trying to restrict what they view as acceptable gender-wise, but also religiously and spiritually. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty evil, honestly. <laughs> I think that, you know, this connection to a free expression of gender is extremely important, especially for Native children today. But yeah, do you guys have any comments on that? That was a little bit of a tough part there, especially with the Trail of Tears, because I'm sure, you know, you probably heard about that in history class, at least in the U.S. history. But yeah, any thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything that you've said. I really understand, you know, especially after what happened in the Philippines, like, you know, being LGBTQIA plus here in the Philippines is not really that welcome, only sometimes because we are a predominantly Christian country. And I really, you know, relate to that, especially with my friends who are non-binary. I hope that in the future, the future generations will not have to go through what we've gone through and what our ancestors had to go through. So I have a question here. Is there possible long effects of colonization on two-spirited and non-binary individuals today? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And the answer is definitely, as like Bronwyn was talking about earlier, there's like, because of colonialism and colonization, a lot of tribes and individual tribal families today have these negative views toward two-spirit individuals. And that's because of the influence of Christianity in the past and the idea of Christian morality that really stripped away that idea that there can be multiple gender orientations. And that has had an impact even that we can see today, especially with some of the tribes such as the Shane, the Navajo, and the Eastern Cherokees. Yeah, and I I think one really important word that you kind of reminded me of, maybe like a little, you know, term that you can use is generational trauma amongst that. So, you know, even though these individuals Mm -hmm. specifically weren't there when the actual, you know, invasions of these European Christians came, they still feel the impacts and they still feel 
feel the actual emotions that their ancestors felt because that pain was passed on to them through generations and the pain never really disappeared. And so I think one huge responsibility of our generation, whether you're indigenous or not indigenous, is really kind of trying, attempting at least to erase that pain and kind of wither it away a little bit. And, you know, a lot of movements such as like the reclaiming land movement and the reclaiming of culture and placing, you know, indigenous kids with indigenous family. I think as, you know, a population, even if we're not indigenous, we need to really assist with that, especially since we're a younger generation, because I feel like we can have more of a generational impact for then the future indigenous children. So hopefully they won't have to feel this generational trauma that you were talking about. Definitely. Oh, and I have a little question for Helene. What progress do you think has been made to help these individuals today? So what I know of is that at Columbia, at City organized discussion groups for Native American students to talk about their identity challenges for Native American students in an Ivy League campus. I really think that that's really great. You no, know, coming from a different culture, you know, you really need some help with your identity once you go to a different country or not even not a country, maybe like a different culture. And I really love that. And it's I really love that about it. And it also includes the challenge of explaining to spirit to non-Native Americans who have trouble with these dual identities. As McLeod states, what we want to do really is to make it safe for the next generation of two-spirit youth, that they're able to get their education, whether that's middle school or high school, to graduate with a diploma, to go to university if they wise, to have a career, to have a family of their own, to really decrease the homophobia and transphobia that would prevent that. And I really like that because I really know many people who struggle with all these basic things that, and I know many people who struggle to be able to get an education because of how they identify themselves. And I really love that. I really love that someone is making a change. So I have a question for Bronwyn. Can you tell us more about any individuals who are advocating for change? Yeah, of course. So apologies if I mess up any of these names. I am really bad at pronunciation and I'm also dyslexic. But some examples of an individuals who we found while researching and looked a little bit more into who are advocating for change are Alray ne Nelson, a Denis, is the executive director of the Denis Navajo Tri Pride which is the largest Pride event for Indigenous people in the United States, which is kind of exciting. And I did not know about that. So, you know, hopefully, I'm really hoping I can attend one of those in the future and maybe even help and support, even if I can't attend. And I motivate our viewers to also. And they were also a senior advisor to two Navajo Nation presidents and the founder of Dini Equality, which is an advocacy group for LGBTQIA plus equality in the Navajo Nation. Under Nelson, Denis Pride, advocated for the community by pledging to award two scholarships to Denis High School seniors who identify as LGBTQIA plus for contributions to their community. And I think that is really awesome because, you know, again, starting with a younger generation of LGBTQIA indigenous children is so awesome because then you can kind of build them up for a successful future and you can really get their voices out there so they can really be heard and just, you know, be set up for success and build their families if they so desire or build their connections and maybe even pursue, you know, careers that could impact, 
impact, you know, the, the world. <laughs> so I think that's pretty awesome. So I'm going to talk about a little book that one of our researchers read. Well, not a little book, of course, <laughs> but it's called Love After the End, edited by Joshua Whitehead. And it's a great book that showcases two-spirited and queer indigenous culture. This exciting and groundbreaking fi fiction anthology showcases a number of new and emerging two-spirit and queer indigenous writers from across Turtle Island, or also known as North America. These visionary authors show how queer indigenous communities can bloom and thrive through utopian narratives that detail the strength of, you know, this community through its plight and the impact of colonialism. And so, yeah, does anybody else kind of have any cool, you know, takeaways from this, maybe final statements, other ideas for how we can help, especially for, you know, teens who are listening? I guess some, a way to support would be just to start educating yourselves yeah, and maybe the people around you. Yes, yes. 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 you one, should like start reading up on like reliable sources. Yes. One huge thing I learned when actually speaking to a two-spirited Native individual at a recent protest in my city was they said that, you know, it's not our job to educate you. And it is not our job to, you know, inform you about every single little detail. It is our job instead to tell you about our experiences and, you know, the actual emotional aspect of it that you can't look at online. So I really motivate non-Indigenous listeners out there to go use the internet. It is at your disposal. It's amazing, guys. And just, you know, do some research and look into this because it really, it is an indiv Indigenous individual's jobs to inform you. It is your your job to inform yourself if you really care about this topic and you want to know how to help. And, you know, if you want to go to them and discuss it and hear their personal experience, I think that's beautiful. And as they said, you know, they love when people ask them about it and they really love when people want to know how it feels and, you know, the raw emotions behind it. And that's something you can't find on the internet. So I think that's one huge piece of advice for listeners who are interested in getting involved in this topic is just please research. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So before we go, I just want to mention that we're going to have a list of resources on our website on how to support the Two-Spirited Native community today and maybe some ways to learn more about this amazing community. So I just want to thank Bronwyn and Helene for joining me again on this episode of Generation yeah. Global. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Sorry, I said yeah too soon. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to Generation Global. If you like what you heard, please be sure to give us a follow on your preferred listening platform, as well as our Instagram, at Gen Global Podcast, to stay updated on any new content. Depending on what platform you're tuning in on, whether it be platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, likes, saves, and shares are all appreciated. Once again, thank you so much for your time, and we hope again to see you soon on Generation Global. Generation Global.